Welcome to another episode of the Lisa Ann Experience. Right here with me, Lisa Ann, spending some time with you. A little bit of an update, and yes, this week, a sexy guest. Not only a sexy guest, but a savvy and very intelligent guest that you will enjoy. And the Ask Lisa Ann Mailbag segment that you love so much. But real quick, I gotta tell you, the weather's changing, it's fall. So I decide, let's go down to the basement, go through the storage and pull out some warmer clothes. And what did I find? I was just shocked when I found another box of papers. And actually it was in the far corner of the closet, the storage where I had assumed I went through everything when I went through my beginning of quarantine. I'm gonna go paperless and scan everything and shred everything. So, okay, no big deal. Let's see how old they are. 2010, 2011, so now here we go. Carrying the box upstairs and we have shredder anxiety immediately because we know how I am with shredders. You know, I'm gonna get frustrated, start to force it through. Nope, six hours of shredding that was successful. Not only did I survive, the shredder survived. And now I not only have some warm clothes, but I no longer have any more paper. This is confirmed. There is no more paper in my life. So there was that. Saturday night was another Bavada night for me where I was watching UFC and for the very first time, when I turned on ESPN Plus, I actually recognized the broadcasters' voices. This is huge for me. I am so deep into UFC that I'm starting to get to know everybody, which feels really good. There was not enough bleeding, which means I like it even more. Some great knockouts, some super fast, like if you're tweeting and you look up, the fight is over, very upsetting. Getting it done at Fight Island. So that was kind of like my fun, fun, fun Saturday night. And then Sunday, you know, football Sunday setting our lineups, doing our thing. And I'm posting a couple of my pics on social media when I get this tweet. I printed it out because I thought we should discuss it. Now, mind you, full disclosure, the opinions of strangers do no longer offend me. So, you know, it just doesn't matter. I have seen and read it all. But there are times when a tweet comes through where it kind of makes me go, hmm. So I want to break it down. So I thought, yeah, this is one that I should break down. First of all, you know I'm gonna discuss the punctuation. So though you can't see this tweet, I'm going to tell you there is only one capital letter. There is absolutely no commas, no periods, and nothing else. So, so you know, it is a blob of words. There's also some misspellings. And one of the misspellings is just so important because without it, the entire thing lacked real impact. So that's why I'm gonna read it to you right now. Let me get this straight. You got a former porn stars, plural, I'm one, who were getting loads and gang bangs and cum dumpster. Cum is spelled C-O-M-E. How could he not spell it right? C-U-M, buddy, C-U-M. Is now trying to tell us about sports. At least you got out of the porn business. I'll read that again. It's just so you really let it soak in, as I did when it went across my eyeballs. Let me get this straight. You got a former porn stars who were getting loads and gangbangs and cum dumpster is now trying to tell us about sports. At least you got out of the porn business. It's like he's talking at someone else in the very beginning of this one long sentence. Like you've got former porn stars when it's at my profile. But then he says, at least you got out of the porn business. So here's what I see, the obvious factors here. I see a lot of envy for the amount of sex that I have had that this person has not. I see a lot of guilt when it comes to at least you get out of the business because he is watching so much porn. He feels so guilty. It's not about me, it's about him. And shame. 
And with that shame, I want to remind everybody, just kind of stop shaming. If you don't have anything nice to say, kind of don't say anything at all. But obviously when people say to me, at least you got out, they have to remember something and everybody needs to understand that, you know, porn is a choice just as much as it's our choice to do it, it is your choice to view it. And if you view it and it's made you feel a certain way and then you go on, you just project on someone's timeline, but I will admit this to you, I didn't delete his tweet or mute him because I kind of want to see what he has to say next because I wanted to write back, but I didn't want to kill the impact of this and just tell him this would have been better if he spelled come correctly. I mean, that was so, such a missed opportunity on his point. So thought I'd share that with you because my first thought was, man, did it, did it auto-correct or was he just being careless? That I'm like, he probably didn't realize because uh, he was really floored, but obviously he knows my previous work and did not realize my new gig doing influencer work with Bavada. So there's that. We're gonna flip that over to another porn star who is incredibly productive, successful, and amazing. And twice now, Chris, we've had guests on our podcast. And over the weekend, their name has come up in the New York Post. And I'm like, oh, the week we get to have them on the podcast. The first one was uh, the comedian Jay, Big Jay Okerson. After we had him on the podcast, I don't know if you saw this, but he was doing a comedy event and he got attacked on stage by a heckler. Yeah, you told me about that. I didn't realize until we came on and we recorded the monologue and I had no idea it had happened. Full on. So, you know, it, this was during social distancing. Poor guys having to stand on the stage out in a parking lot and go through all this and not be in a comfortable setting and he gets attacked on stage. There was that. And then we had this beautiful interview with Cherie DeVille last weekend. Over the weekend, I am doing my news reading as always. And on the New York Post, I see porn star Cherie DeVille launches erection season to get fans to the polls. You can go to erectionseason.com <laughs> to learn more. You can follow her at Cherie DeVille on Twitter, at Cherie DeVille XO on Instagram. So you guessed it right. My girl, your girl, right here with you today with us is Cherie DeVille. Hello, Cherie. Hello, it's so good to be on your show. <laughs> How are you today? I'm amazing. It's a really good morning so far. Good. You look beautiful as Thank always. You. That's something that comes very naturally for you. You're one of my favorite follows on Instagram because you are so creative with taking photos. You absolutely love taking photos, don't you? Well, I do. And I feel like it's also a necessity. So I've, I've you know, I've, I've grown to accept it as, as part of my job and not feel quite so narcissistic about it. <laughs> but you're clever. Like you do build, you build little things. You always have beautiful little setups, whether you're watering plants or whether you're cooking or whatever you're doing, you craft this beautiful little visual. So it's not just you. There's thought that you put into it. How crazy is your prop storage where you live and how much stuff do you purchase of the regular to keep the creativity that you flow with available? Yeah, my prop closet is completely out of control, even though every time I shoot a scene, I try and get rid of or sell as much stuff as possible. But even with that, it's just a constant cycle of clothing, lingerie, weird hats, funny glasses, the whole thing, you know? <laughs> so we're sitting here at a point in time where quarantine is not yet really a thing of a past, but it's something that's impacted us in so many ways. And during this time, 
One of the things that you did that was amazing is you went away with Danny Daniels and you guys shot a ton of stuff. And this brings me right back to the prop closet. You guys bought superhero <laughs> costumes, mermaid. I mean, Amazon must have been at this house where you guys were shooting for a month every day. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, every day the foyer was and I do mean this literally. I wish I could give you pictures full of boxes like we were a warehouse. I think. By the end of our vacation, we had purchased more than 20 pool floaties that we had used in various scenes. Like we were completely out of control and loving every second of it. <laughs> so what made you and Danny come from two different remote locations, agree on a location to decide we're going to live some bubble life here and we're going to shoot a ton of content with each other? Um, both of us live in cities. So she's in New York, I'm in Los Angeles. And I feel like with the virus, of course, the populated areas were hit most and we were closed down more than a lot of people who live in more rural areas and we're social people. We were both going, I'll admit it, a little bit crazy. I was getting a little bit sad. I was missing my friends. I was missing interactions and collaborating you know, also with other people for work, you know, it's fun to be on Amazon picking my little costumes and stuff. But these four walls were getting small for me and for her. And I love her more than anybody. And I knew spending a month with her would be like, we both cried at the end. It wasn't enough time. We were like, don't go. I need you in my life. Like we had so much fun. <laughs> I'm glad you got out and did this because there was a time you are a real extrovert. You are someone who loves to be around people, Cherie. And so for someone like yourself, you know, I'm kind of a hybrid, right? Mm -hmm. I am a super duper loner to one extreme. But I utilize the events that I did in the, in the shows or the appearances as my like, okay, when I leave my house for this gig, I'm going to talk to absolutely everybody from the airport people to a stranger on the plane to everybody on set or at the location. And then I'm going to go back into my little sphere and kind of regroup on that balance for you. You don't really have that loner side. So how had it affected you mentally and how were you able to continue to put up such positive light and fun content when you were struggling? Well, I think it was actually my, the fact that I had this job and I felt like my fans and other people and the world, not to be too like, I'm so important, were kind of depending on me and every other artist for like a release. I imagined my fans, or at least some of them, might be going through the, the sadness, the loneliness, the isolation like I was. And I know that like there were certain accounts that I followed just to get a laugh every day. And so I felt like if I could, you know, do my job as an adult artist, but then also like kind of swerve a little bit into the comedy lane, maybe, you know, some of my fans would appreciate that, get a laugh. And even my colleagues were texting me going, oh, your Sheree Sports made me laugh so hard. I needed that today. And that alone as an extrovert was like the fuel I needed to be like, no, you're going to put on a face and this is going to be fun. And, and this is how you're going to stay feeling productive, which is a huge part of like my what makes like, you level of self-worth, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. and mm -hmm. be an entertainer and maybe do like this tiny part to help people get through this BS. <laughs>
And for you, part of the whole process, whether it's ordering things on Amazon, planning this cute little set, it also passes some time because what we have the most of right now is time. Oh, yeah. Like I own seven different mustaches now. Like, I don't know why, like I do. And I've used all seven of them. So there's that. (laughs) But, you know, we would not be able to be doing any of this had it not been for Amazon. So saving grace there. Yeah. Now, where were you and Danny in this location? You came from California. She came from New York. Where were you that you met up and decided this would be the perfect weather, the perfect setting Mm -hmm. for us to live in a bubble for a month and shoot nothing but content? Well, we decided it would be safe and fun to be on this tiny little island in Florida. (laughs) Okay. So we're like, this is beautiful. The house is private. It has indoor and outdoor shoot locations. We have a pool. We have the ocean. And it's not like one of those, you know, crowded beaches where I'm going to be like, "Ah, germs are flying. You know what I mean? So (laughs) we just basically found a place that felt, you know, chill and safe and sunny and inspiring and beautiful and yeah we just plunked ourselves there and cosplayed our little hearts out (laughs) you sure did how did you transport the outfits from that location back to your normal destinations uh we we didn't we we got them all (laughs) we sent them well she came with like a few things but for the most part we had all of it shipped there like I was shipping boxes from LA to that house. So okay. I didn't have to pack it with like all kinds of stuff in it. Mermaid like- tails, superhero costumes, yes! like everything. Yeah. So we we basically did not have room for it in any number of suitcases and we had it all <laughs> sent to the house. <laughs> and when you were leaving or is Danny still there? She's still in Florida. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Okay. So oh, you got sold that little blip. A lot of it. You know, yeah, because you, what site do you prefer when you're selling the things that you use on set? Um, some of it I sell myself, but most of it I use Sophie D's site, which is my, my sexy, sexy auctions. auctions. Yeah. Um, I love that site. Super user friendly, super intuitive. And like, I love Sophie. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that site. I mean, before that years ago, there was this site called Abby Bids, and I got to tell you, I-, I couldn't do it. I mean, I could never I could never put this, the, the profile together properly. I could never get it to, to show as available right now. And then when I did sell a couple of things on there, I could not figure out where do you go to pull the money out? How do you find the shipping address? Like, so I gave oh. up and right around the same time I gave up, Sophie D had reached out to me and said, Hey, oh I partnered. I have something new and really user friendly. And I just love how quickly it all works on my sexy auction. So for those of you out here who are listening and you go through Cherie's content and you see all these wild things, you too can own a mermaid tail. And you too can you you can wear the superhero outfit that Cherie wore in a super fun shoot. So now you do this really fun month and you land back in Los Angeles. What was your emotional state? At that point when you realize, okay, I've got more of this to do and manage my headspace to make sure I'm in the right mindset to continue to go on because it's a bit lonelier now. You don't have Danny. You can't, you know, it's not as fun to see one mermaid at the pool. (laughs) I feel like the, well, I bought a lot of press on nails because I can't get my nails done. But I also feel like that one month away, I feel very blessed. I know a lot of people didn't get to do that was almost like a reset button. 
So it almost like started quarantine over again for me, if that makes sense. Like, yes, like I was like, oh, no. And then like, yay. And now, yeah. you know. <laughs> sure, because you got home. It's you do your normal stuff. You had unpacked your laundry, all that stuff. So that kept you busy and preoccupied. Now moving forward, I know you're very active and very successful in the adult industry and you have been for years and you're very loved. Everybody enjoys shooting you, being on set with you, being around you. You just have great energy. What are you doing now and how are you operating the business moving forward? What are you planning on doing, let's say three and six months when it comes back to being full force back on set? Well, I mean, I'm I'm ready psychologically to be back on set, but I don't know if you know because you're you know in another state. But they messed up our our STD testing system pretty egregiously, and so until they kind of iron that out, I'm I'm sort of picking and choosing very minimally people I'm shooting like a tiny bit of content with that are willing to go to the testing center. We're still monitoring, um, but most of the industry is shooting uh, with. Yeah, without those protections right now, which is a fine choice for them. But I'm a very uh, conscientious and even paranoid, I'll say it, person. So I'm just going to kind of bow out until they straighten it out. But I would love to get back on set. I'm ready to get back on set. You recently did a very incredible interview and discussion about just what you brought up. Mm -hmm. And I want to touch on this because, you know, for the many years of me being very active in the industry, I was at many times in battle with the testing centers and many times at battle with the different groups that supposedly oversee the testing centers. And I can tell you my first taste of it was in 1997 when we had a couple of very well-known female performers test positive for HIV. And at that time, we we didn't have the internet, so you weren't able to pull people's tests online. Guys would show up with their test on a piece of paper, which was supposed to have a gold seal, but quite often they would wash it in their pants. It would be tattered. They could easily change the date. And I can remember a very big group meeting, and it's actually shown in the movie Porndemic, which was a great movie you need to watch. watch Um, You can look it up. I think it's at Showtime. It might be on Netflix by now. Porndemic. I mean, it relives my entire late 90s in the business. And so I remember going into this huge warehouse and everybody just sitting down and trying to figure this out. Everybody was supposed to come back in and test, but it was a very slippery slope because people got away with things and you couldn't really read the test. And I remember just saying at that point, I actually went on a dance booking and I said, I'm not going to shoot again for a while. I just can't do it. I had such anxiety going to set because the numbers were starting to add up. Now we're at like four positives. Now we're at five, but people are still shooting. People are still shooting. Everybody's still shooting. And then later on down the road, we found out it was Mark Wallace and he was aware and he was changing his test. He wasn't going back into retest. And so that broke my trust. And at that point, I realized I needed to have my fingers on the pulse of everything because I wanted to do this for a living. And you know what, Sharia, took me till 2005 from 1997 Mm -hmm. to go back to shooting a sex scene. Because if you recall in 2005, Wild comes the internet. We're now able to view people's tests on a platform. There's all these you can out go in and look at things. But I watched things really evolve in some very positive ways. I mean, when I started, we were only testing every 90 days. Yeah. That's yeah. not good. Yeah, okay. that's crazy. Um, also, I was very curious why are we not testing for basic things like hepatitis? Why are we not uh, getting 
physicals for young talent because I would ask talent, okay, you're new. Do you know when your last tetanus shot was? Like, do you know this? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I fought really hard for us to have more aggressive with the hepatitis and then with syphilis yeah. and then, you know, all of these things. Where are we at right now that there's such a lack of trust? I read your article. I've listened to some other conversations, but it's concerning to me how this is getting kind of washed in. It's kind of like COVID adjacent that we're making changes that could seriously impact the health and safety of performers. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because COVID did spur on this whole testing catastrophe, although in my mind, COVID is not the most serious problem, believe it or not. Right. So basically we have two main, and I'll just use the word accredited. And the only reason why I say that is because we as an industry police ourselves, you know, we don't have a union or a governing body. And so as an industry, we decided we have certain tests that we're going to test for. And then the way we test for those, I'm sure there are a multitude of HIV tests. For example, we've decided we like this test for this disease, blah, blah, blah. This is what we're doing. And we're going to accredit certain testing centers that are willing to meet our rather rigorous standards. Right. And then in addition to that, we sort of have this safety net, like for a trapeze artist, and we call it the pass system. And basically, it's an area where all of the testing results are funneled in a HIPAA-protected way. And then if somebody tests positive, it doesn't have to happen like what happened to you, where you depend on that phone call, you depend on that person in Missouri to give you a call and say they've popped dirty for HIV. We don't need that with the past system. It identifies that there's a problem, does not reveal the source of the problem and calls a moratorium. So it stops sure. the industry. It's similar completely. to contact tracing. It yes. allows somewhat of a contact tracing. It, is. Okay. it completely allows contact tracing. And what happened is one of our main testing centers, talent testing, pulled out of the past system. Mm. So for all intents and purposes, talent testing is now no more accredited or valuable than an STT test at a free clinic or sure. your doctor's sure. office. Planned Parenthood, wherever. Sure. But it's not the same because we do the blot and the ELISA mm-hmm. because you can get quicker results on HIV with one than the other, yep. but you can get better results with the other. And that's why we added two. Yeah. And I can remember being a part of that meeting at PASS two years ago and saying how important it is to have two. Right. Okay. And we're always improving. We're always trying to make ourselves safer. You have to. Yes. But for whatever reason, no, not for whatever reason, money is the reason. There's a very distinct and clear reason. Um, The people, and and the, the real sad part is the talent doesn't know this. So the agents and the companies who are completely aware of what PASS does completely aware of what past does has decided that it's totally safe to start production. We'll just use talent testing and we'll show each other our tests online. And while you might have a clear test, who'd you fuck yesterday? Who'd they fuck three days ago? We have no contact Tracy without pass. Right, right, right. And also I never liked looking at someone's test on a phone. Okay, somebody can doctor a doc, scan it in, scan it to their phone. And, you know, you saw you, you shot for my company. Uh, there's, there's, 
there's there's slippery slopes as a producer. You're not necessarily supposed to print out the tests because of the HIPAA laws. But my theory was I'm printing out everyone's tests, putting them on top of everyone's paperwork, making sure they initial it and they saw it. Yeah. And they didn't just brush over it. And then I could shred it. Yeah. Because it's easier for you than me digitally pulling up this test. Right. And I will say this. When I had my agency, the first question I would ask new girls when they would get off set is, did you look at your performer's test? Yeah. No. They would say no. I thought the producer did it, but you are the one having sex with this person is your responsibility. And I would always try and drive that home and drive that home and pass made it so easy as a producer to go on and pull everyone's test for the day Mm -hmm. and make sure everyone could see it in one place. There was no relying on, oh, we have janky internet at this location, which does happen. You know, we're in a great location, but we don't have good internet. So we can't show each other's tests. Now, I find it interesting because past doesn't want to be responsible for people shooting too quickly. And I'm sure of that. Right. Right. They want to be able to monitor. But because companies are putting the cart before the horse, as well as maybe some talent, they're more worried about missing out on work by following proper protocols. And I think that talent should be allowed to work in what I consider an unsafe environment if that's their choice. But every time I tell this to talent, especially the younger female talent, they have no idea. They have no, their agent is like, I've got work for you. And talent testing is still open and they have no idea the risks. That's why I wrote the article, not because I'm trying to like shut down the industry. No, no, you please go work. But I want you to be aware of what risks you're taking and take them consciously. And also what you're doing is preventative thinking because now when you do decide to enter back into the talent pool, you, my friend, are going to be twice as anxious because you don't have the same protocols in place that you had before. And we're now kind of in a worse situation than we were before. Why change this now when talent is testing for COVID? How often are they testing for COVID? Every company uh, producer is a little different. We don't seem to have any kind of standard on that. But I'd say most of the bigger companies are mandating a 24-hour COVID test. Okay. And the 24-hour COVID test is obtainable at the testing centers through the industry. Yeah. You can get a uh, pass-approved COVID test and a pass-approved STD test right now. It costs more, but like not that much more. No, not that much more that you're going to be going back to work, right? So this is an interesting time for this change to be kind of flying by the seat of the pants of the industry. And what is it that's making the talent agree with the agents? Because the agents could be saying, go to the testing center that is still working with PASS. Why are they not doing that? Because the companies are not um, subsidizing the more expensive test. Oh, okay. That's really the simplest form. talent testing, COVID test. And so if a a person would like to be more safe, it's on them. It's on their dollar. And the only people pretty much working right now are the most financially desperate. So that's not an option. Right, right. So for those of you listening and understanding that one of the biggest things in the business is we're always faced with the possibility of we could be shut down. So planning for a rainy day as an adult film store is way more important than maybe planning for a rainy day of somebody that has a different job. Oh, yeah. You break a leg, you're not shooting, you know, or the business is shut down over tests. 
you're not shooting. But I think what happened here was this this lasted longer oh, yeah. than maybe some had had saved for that rainy day. Oh, yeah. Uh, and maybe they aren't quite as crafty to realize, like, I've got OnlyFans. Why would I need to do anything else? And they're subjecting themselves out of just this could be the lesser of the two evils because they need the work. Yeah, or new talent or or male talent who really can't make the money as well as the female talent can online. You know, they they don't have that cushion. And I think, I don't know about your experience, but I feel like this is my mind. Like when I first got into the industry, I thought even having a five-year career would be amazing. And it truly is. That's a much longer career than most people have the luxury of having. So if you consider that it'll become extremely hard to be employed by any other employer once you are a porn star, you have to think like a professional athlete. You have to think if I'm going to be working for five years, which is a very generous statement, I need to possibly save a lifetime's worth of money in those five years, where I'd say 99% of the industry lives to their means. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a mistake. It is a mistake. It is definitely a mistake. And also because you do have the possibility to make larger chunks, you just can't look at them as they're they're yours right now. You have to look at them as this is later money. This is later 90s, money, right? 80s. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 90s. Yeah. I, I don't want to agree. Live in a state nursing home. So perhaps I should invest a much higher, like if the normal person works for 30, 40 years and they invest 20%, Let's calculate that. If I think I'm going to be working for five years, what percentage of that money needs to be invested for it to become a lifetime's worth of money? Because without the ingenuity to become your own business owner after porn, as a female porn star, I think statistically you are less likely to get hired than a convict. So good luck. Uh, I would agree with that completely. That is true. And also the convict does become part of a program where there's an incentive to hire the the convict, whereas the sex worker, porn star, whatever category you fall into, it is no man's land of anybody wanting you to be their neighbor, their coworker, or their employee, Uh, which is bizarre to me, but it's something that we, if you understand it and you accept it, it helps you hustle and save. And that's yeah, really the key, right? You have to accept it. You have to hustle and save. So the smarts that you have right here, right now came from something else. And one of the questions all of my listeners love to know is, what were your jobs before you got into the adult business? My first one was a hostess at a diner. Yes. And then I worked at the YMCA as a lifeguard. Like I've had a lot of little jobs. What did you do before you were in the industry? All right, let's both start way back. So yeah, let's first- go way back. I was a camp counselor for every every summer, starting as like an assistant, like play group teacher at like 14 (laughs) to the head counselor by the time I graduated college. In college, I taught at my university step aerobics and I was the pool lifeguard. (laughs) And then after college, I was straight to my other career, which I did right up until porn and still do very intermittently, which is a physical therapist. This is, there's so much to unpack here. One, <laughs> one big chunk. Where did you go to college? Uh, first, I went to University of Hartford. And then? Uh, University of St. Augustine. And what did you major? A physical therapy the whole time. Yep. That is fantastic. So yep. your kind of camp counseling thing led into your care and concern for uh, learning the protocols, the lifeguard. Like, I get all this. This is that the college base that you have. 
That right there, Cherie, defines such a difference for you. We have to remember, and something I thought a lot about as an agent when I was meeting 18-year-olds, not as many young people worked young like we did. So we had working papers in Pennsylvania. When you were 13, your parents could get you working papers. They got you working papers. You could do specific jobs, like be a hostess, but you couldn't get tips, but you got paid like $2 an hour, whatever. To me, I was out of my house and around my friends. The job was secondary. I was working at Palmer Dairy Bar, you know, making soft serve ice cream for myself every night. You know, to be like, oh, is this a high life? You know, Um, I had the best time. I saved up one summer and I bought me a sweet boom box. Yeah, yeah, girl. (laughs) You carry that thing up on your shoulder. I was was very cool. (laughs) So I was meeting a lot of 18 year old female and male performers that had never really had a job yet. And to me, I was like, these people are going to be so fucked. Your first paycheck's a thousand dollars. You're ruined financially forever because you've never had to budget a paycheck. And also let's, let's look at this big factor. Companies do not play talent as employees to limit the liability, even though they are clearly employees because they're told what time to be there, what to wear, what they're doing. Okay, Mm -hmm. but to limit the liability, they're not employees. So to explain to young people how much you need to take out for taxes of each check, it's just devastating. Like a thousand dollars. Yes. Without saving. And I'm like, okay, so 600 of this goes in your account. You got to pay your agent fees. You got to put your money aside for your next test. You got about 300 bucks after this first job, which is still more than what other people made their first job in a week, but they would be furious. And for girls, I always, I think people get confused about how much money they make on set because I uh, have like a spreadsheet or I did back in the day. So if I shot three times a week, I would have to take a, and I did this, I would take one third of my testing, one third of the wardrobe I bought that week, which is a lot, one third of what my hair cost, one third of the new makeup purchases I did. And your check is not as robust as it seems when you're a business and you are. And all of the expenses are yours with wardrobe, with makeup, with hair, with nails, all of the things that you need are yours. Yes. Food. Yeah. Everything. Everything. So I thought that was the biggest kind of trouble for younger people who didn't have to budget a check, get in the industry, they get behind with taxes very quickly, having an agency. (laughs) All you're doing is getting mail on garnishing wages. I mean, all day long, there's mail coming about garnishing wages or there's like child support thing coming or there's like tickets coming. Um, So I know many performers who can't have a bank account because it will immediately be drained by the government because they have never paid taxes. This, that's not rare. Never. I, no, never. it's not rare, but let's face it. There is a middle person. There's an agent. That agent can have an accountant come into the office once a month to, to educate. It's, it's, it's just like athletes. You said it just like I say at the industry, you look at yourself like you're an athlete. You think about the shelf life of your career of three to five years for some girls now or guys now. So if you looked at it that way, then you would be forward thinking. But we're talking about younger people, just like athletes that get handed almost too much money and don't know what to do with it. And by the time they've wrapped their head around it, maybe the earning potential is also less. If you didn't work hard to build that brand, you're not successfully running other sites. You're not successfully selling things on other sites because you also have to work your ass off in the business to make money. And I think everybody just sees the scene. Of yeah. course, but not the in-between. And they see the scene and the paycheck. 
right. but they do not realize all of the additional expenses, time, packing, wardrobe, like you said, travel, all these things. There's a lot to budget there and it can make you a really great business person. Because I feel like a couple of things, once you learn to budget that and make that work and really start to see your margins and you go on the road and you're doing other events, this all just starts to layer really nicely. But when you don't put one layer on, the others don't land. And don't you feel like in adult work, especially now in the age of the internet, that 10 to 20% of my job is performance at most? I have a desk job. Yes, it's social media. It's communicating. It's constant, constant. Yeah. I mean, you could probably easily put in six to eight hours a day at your desk, right? Because I know oh, I, I do minimum. Do. Yeah. Because I edit my own stuff. I message my own fans. I upload onto my own platforms. I am my own marketing team. I have my own traffic. Like, I'm a one woman show for the most part. I hire a few people here and there, but. Yeah. And you enjoy to have your finger on the pulse of it. You do like doing it this way, but I think that's yeah. one of the... I'm a, I'm a nutter. No one would want to work for me. You and I are the same that way. I think that's <laughs> that's just one of the big oversights is people not realizing how much work it is to build a brand and to keep it going. And that, you know, when you're in another world and building a brand, you have a team of eight. They're oh, monitoring man. imposters for you. They're making sure nobody's using your name. They're doing... Who's got time for that? I mean, for me, I could literally spend an hour a day deleting ridiculous comments from my Facebook. And bots. And you bots. Know, most of my mainstream like artist friends, they're like my day-to-day manager and my regular manager. I'm like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is me in my pajamas in my bed trying yeah. to unwind while I realize, oh, fuck, I didn't go through. Because the thing with bots now is when I do a live show, you probably notice this too. When I do a live on, let's say, Facebook, as soon as I'm done with that live, they have the train of everybody that commented and they know those people are active. So yeah. either it's an imposter acting as me yes. trying to give them a fake phone number to ask for like an iTunes card, some bullshit, right? Or it's some um, crazy person from another country trying to bring people into a weird army. I know I need to delete that shit, okay? Yeah. And then there's like politics. So like all of that, I look at it as cluttered. Facebook doesn't make it easy because... Some things are easier from your phone and some are easier from a computer. Because yeah. first you want to identify the person. Then you yeah. want to block them. Then you got to go three pages back. Then you got to go one by one because it's not like other things where when you mute on Twitter, you no longer see their shit automatically done, right? right? You just refresh, gone. No, no, no. Facebook makes you do it yourself. So you are in there. Delete, delete, delete. It's time consuming. And these to me are what I call distractors. Yeah. There are things that will throw you off from going, oh my gosh, I didn't make that Instagram post. Now I'm going to do it right now. Then I'm going to go back to that. There's, I mean, Siri and I all day long, Siri reminded me to post shit because yeah. at night I lay in bed and I spend about 20 minutes trying to line up the day of things that I know are imperative. I remember. And I'm like, Siri, remind me at 10 to post this. Remind me at 10.45. People do not realize how much you're putting in and you put a lot in, Sheree. Yeah, I have my drafts on Instagram set up at least a week or two in advance because I know what content is dropping. And I know that if I'm busy that day, I'll miss my high traffic margins if, I, if I'm if i sitting there choosing a picture and all that yes. stuff, you know. Which can be a con- time-consuming process is choosing mm-hmm. the photos. So getting ahead of it, using software to preload it. Yeah. Um, out of all of your jobs as a young person, how many of them have you... I'm sure you've played the role of a lifeguard in a movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I played I, the role of 
probably all my jobs and most of the companies just like love that I'm a physical therapist because I can like accurately have a medical dialogue without that having them script it. So I've played a lot of healthcare professionals, including a physical therapist in many roles because they don't have to write it for me. Yeah, because believe me, if they wrote it, you'd be correcting it because you'd be like, yeah, no, nobody would say this. Yeah, and I do. I did that thing for Cam Soda on like the anatomy of squirting and I rewrote my own script. <laughs> that was great, by the way. Um, the three things that you've missed the most in your life this year, 2020, what, what are they? Swing dancing. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. whoa let's talk about that. Where does what in Los Angeles go swing dancing? Los Angeles is one of the best swing dancing communities in the world, second <gasps> to maybe Washington, D.C. and London. They have the biggest swing dance events in the country. I used to travel to Los Angeles regularly before I lived here um, to do their big August events, workshops. I personally dance at least one to two times a week. Uh, it's a huge passion of mine. I used to do it. Uh, semi-professionally, but yeah. So, yeah. How do I never know this about you, but I love it. Swing That's why dancing. I'm always dressed like the 1940s at every event, because I can. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that you have this outlet. It's just another layer to you. But all right, number one, that's swing like touching dancing. people on, breathing in their faces, strangers. Because I like social dancing. I don't go with a partner. I want to see who's good and ask them to dance. Yeah, that's, <laughs> oh, that's just beautiful. And that's something you're missing. All right, what's the number two thing you're missing? Travel. Travel, travel, travel. And like, I mean, like outside of the United States, like most people, I got a bunch of things canceled. And like, I was going to see Rome for the first time. Oh, I've never I'm so been there. sorry. Yeah. I mean, I will. But, I know you, know you will. But I, yeah. Okay. And what's the third thing? Uh, my meeting live. And we still meet on Zoom, but meeting live twice a week with my Dungeons and Dragons group. It's like, my favorite fucking thing in the universe. Wait, and you like, led, you wait, 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 you, wait, wait. You led with meeting live and then you threw in the Dungeons <gasps> and Dragons group. Well, really, unpack. How long have you been in a Dungeons and Dragons group, Cherie Deville? Well, like in one or another, like my whole life. <clears throat> but this one, like a year and a half. And where do you meet these folks online? Uh, no, no, these are my friends. <laughs> so uh, my my comedian friend, like I've been like jonesing for a new D&D group. I hadn't found a group to play with because it's an insane commitment. It's like, so every Saturday from now until the rest of your life with no interruptions, we're going to play D&D, okay? Like it's a massive commitment. So it's really hard to find a committed group. And a comedian. And does each mine. game carry on to the next round? Is that why it's so committed? Because I'm sorry, for I'm, years. This is this is a rock still not turned for me. I'm not yeah. sure. I've heard of Dungeons and Dragons. I know it was a big deal. I've heard, but you have a continuous game going with the same. So doing it in person must be so fun. It's so fun. It's so fun, and on Zoom you can't really like interrupt each other or like. <clears throat> like in one of my games, I play an orc and there's only one other girl in the team that speaks orcish. So like in person, we can have like private conversations, but on Zoom, we're like texting each other and now I don't know what's going on and I've missed something and yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love this. I mean, these this is why you are so well balanced. I mean, I've always found you, Sheree, incredibly unique. You know, there's some great people in the industry, right? And, and a lot of times... 
things get lost in the shuffle because there's a volume of people that are kind of just lost or just trying to find their way or just not taking care of themselves or in it for a lifestyle. But this makes perfect sense to why you're so focused with your things because you, like me, like to really focus on your off time because I'm sure on a Dungeons and Dragons live meet day, you're not messing with your phone or your social media. You've already set that shit up. You are in it playing orc, speaking in a different language. Oh, MG and you swing dance. This is yeah. just so much. I love, I love it. everything about you. <laughs> you are so well-rounded. This just makes you magical. I'm swing. a mega nerd. If there's something nerdy, I either do it or have done it. Like okay. mega, like not cute little ears on Twitch nerd, like nerd. Like, <laughs> oh my God. So do you play on Twitch and where can people find you on Twitch? I actually don't play on Twitch because I'm a huge gamer and it's like me time. I don't want to be on. Yeah. You know, like, like if you're chatting to a friend, it's one thing. But if you're being recorded, you're like almost another person. Yes. And like... Gaming is like personal escape for me. I wouldn't want to bring Cherie into it, if that makes any sense. I completely understand. Listen, I felt the same way when I'm at live sporting events. Like, that's my thing. So, like, I don't want to be stopping and taking pictures and having to entertain you because really I want to be watching the game. Or I remember going to the Kentucky Derby and thinking, like, this is my first time. And my experience is this is my first time at the Kentucky Derby. Oh, my God. I'm so excited to see everybody. But everybody else's experience is very different. And it projects you and it kind of messes up the boundary of like, no, 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 this is just my lane. I wanted, this is just about me. It's not about yeah. you. And it's, uh, that's great that you found a way to balance it because to going on to Twitch would be a whole nother experience. You got to makeup on, you got to be like on. And there's always a, like, you need a day with no makeup. Oh yeah. I look like a troll. I'm sure when I play video games, like nine hours in, I'm like, I should shower. I should really shower. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I read about this all the time. How many hours and days and weeks on end go? I mean, you know, people have died playing video games. There have been these crazy gamers that have just not eaten or done anything. And I'm like, okay, this is, I've read about this. This is nuts, okay? The other side of it. But Sheree, you are a remarkable woman. And I'm so glad that you're working to educate the talent. You know, now that I'm not present in the industry, I knew someone would carry the torch. I know there's quite a few active, intelligent men and women uh, really putting that message out there, but you putting out that article, where can others read that article? Because I'm also going to attach it and make sure I post it. So yeah, I'll can send read a it. link. It's everywhere now. I put it up on my Twitter, on BuzzFeed. Um, a bunch of other people picked it up. Uh, FFC tweeted about it. AVN, XBiz. Yeah. Good. Good. It's very important that you're just out there being that proud reminder. And then when the business does get back going to just be that voice, I was always that voice that no one wanted to hear saying, Good. save your money, save your money. You know, that that voice that like yeah. five years later, a girl will text me and she'll be like, you know, Lisa, you used to nag me all the time on set and now I'm finally saving my money. And I'm like, okay, so you might hate me when you hear it live, but a couple of years later, these things surface back and people really are appreciative that you took that moment to just try and put your hand out and help them along the way. Yeah. And I want everyone to be successful. It really genuinely, like I'm even in like gaming, I'm just not like a competitive person. I genuinely and sincerely derive joy from others being successful. That's probably what makes me a little bit 
easier at playing fantasy football than some of my friends because I don't really cry over losses. Like it's frustrating, but a lot of times I have a matchup with a friend and I don't care who wins or loses. We're just in this matchup, right? We're like chatting in the message board on the app. And so I'm just loving the experience, not necessarily the outcome. The outcome isn't going to change my mood. Right. You know what I mean? It's not going to ruin my day because I'm already happy because I'm playing this with someone and I'm engaging. Fantasy sports are probably like you with gaming. It's a community. And it's very social. And I noticed during football season, I get real close with certain friends again. Then we kind of drift a bit over the summer. And so that brings all of that. Well, Sheree, this was beautiful, fun. The swing dancing will never leave my mind. You are taking me when the world opens back up. I would love to go. Love to go. I would love to take lessons. This is a great scene. So listen, I'll secretly taste lessons so I'm not holding you back when we go because I don't want to be that friend that's like she's got two left feet. So I will pregame. Uh, that will give you some time to ease into it. And, you know, and I'll the outfits I'll be thrilled with. The makeup I'll be thrilled. I'll do all of it. Yes. The Dungeons and Dragons, I'm going to leave you to that. Uh, you, I'm learning a new language right now. It has to be uh, Italian and, you know, like, yeah, that's another thing. So I'll leave you to that. But your success, I am so excited for always. You're an amazing woman with great energy. Where can my followers follow you and find all of your goodness? My favorite is my Instagram and it's Cherie Deville XO. And I basically will lead you wherever you want to be from there. (laughs) Well, that's easy enough. I look forward to having this conversation with you again and again, staying more connected, swing dancing. And thank you so much for joining us here today on the Lisa Ann Experience. Thank you for having me so much. It was a great day. Keeping things in the Sirius XM family right here for the Ask Lisa Ann segment. That's right, the mailbag brought to you by Swede. The moment you've all been waiting for right here on the Lisa Ann Experience. That's right, it is time to take the wild ride into the mailbag segment called Ask Lisa Ann. And I wouldn't be doing you justice if I didn't bring in another heavy hitter right here, another stud, another avid reader, and it could enjoy reading these questions. This is our friend from SiriusXM, part of the SiriusXM family. We know him as Swede. You know him as Dustin Sweetelson, which you can follow him at Twitter and Instagram at Dustin Sweetelson. I will tweet it so you don't have to spell it out or misspell it. He's the producer of the rap radio on Mad Dog Sports Radio, and also... He is a carb enthusiast. Sweet, what's going on with you today? Oh, Lisa Ann, I appreciate you having me on here and uh, your confidence in my ability to read words because you've never seen me read. You've never heard me read. You're just assuming I have an ability to read. Well, you have to put together a show plan. Uh, so with that said, I feel very confident with people within the SiriusXM family that we all read. Fair, fair. I mean, it's mostly copying and pasting the words I recognize around other words, and then I just put them on a piece of paper and hope it all works out. Well, then you'll be really good uh, with these emails because some of them that I can't even share are kind of unreadable because the there's no punctuation, there's no end close, there's no this. But I like to start out with some nice questions. I'm very thankful to my fans and followers who send me questions at asklisaann at gmail.com. I am just as happy for the ridiculousness because... We need a bit of that too. So let's get started with question number one, sweet. All right. Your first question here is from Wade Young. He asks, are you an animal person? Do you own pets? 
I'm sure your previous lifestyle would have made that difficult to have one, but has COVID made you rethink it? If so, what would you get? Okay, I'm a total animal person. I love animals. I love all kinds of pets. I would get a dog, but here's the hitch. I have this like great memory of all the travels that I did, and it was so much easier doing all that without a dog. And so my fear factor is the second I get a dog, the world opens back up, and now I'm having to get a dog sitter and go through all this, though I love dogs. Second factoid is I'm kind of really afraid of stalkers, so I can get a little dog because then if a stalker gets to know my patterns of walking my little dog, he can take down the little dog. Now I know I got to step it up and get a Mastiff, maybe a Bull Mastiff, a Neapolitan Mastiff. I need like a 240, 250 pound dog. Eh, it's not really apartment conducive, but when I do get a dog, it will be an attack dog. And then I'll have a bunch of little pugs to hang out with me. And then I'll have a dog that just watches my house. And if you try to pet my dog, you will be no more. Well, you bring up a good point about the apartment living. Right. Because the big dog in the apartment doesn't work. No. Now, whatever size dog you get, whatever you get, you're going to end up having to pick up poop on the street. And I, Lisa, you are one of the most beautiful women on the planet. But. Even the hottest girl putting that plastic bag around her hand and feeling that warm poop the street to pick up her own dog's poop gets knocked down two points. It just yeah. it's, it goes with it. You kind of want to wait until you have like I'm sure like Emmy Emily Ratajkowski. She's got that beautiful shepherd. You know what I mean? Like I know I didn't pronounce her name right, right? I bet you she's got somebody that walks behind her and picks up the poop, right? Do you think she picks it up herself? There's no way that person has ever touched poop in her life. But the poop thing is definitely one thing. Also, now that we're working from home, doing radio, what have you, a small dog, you run the risk of barking, which I couldn't have during my shows. And I just don't want to deal with a litter box. I love cats, but I don't want to deal with a litter box. Uh, cats are weird, especially guys who own cats. Like, like a woman <laughs> owning a cat is perfectly normal. But when a guy's like, yeah, I got to go home to my cat, it's like, Unless it's a jungle cat, unless you're Joe Tiger, like, or whatever, exo Joe Exotic, unless you own a lion or a jungle cat of some sort, uh, you can't own a cat if you're a guy. Unless you're Bob Harris. Can we make the exception of Bob Harris well, yeah. from the Football Diehards, who has two <laughs> massive cats? One is larger than most dogs, and he's a total cat guy, and he has a, a poster behind him when he does live shows that says, Ask me about my cats. Like, somehow Bob Harris pulls this off, and it is just flawless. He leans into it. He That's does. why. He leans, he leans in. into it. He owns it. And he apparently really loves cats. And so, I imagine a lot of people who are fans of yours are big fans of cats, but not the animal kind. Exactly. So, Wade, yes, I would love to have a dog. Um, again, the, another consideration, though, with the dog. You get the dog. You get a boyfriend. Then you get a dog. The boyfriend's responsibility is the dog. Oh. Like, there's ways you make this work as a single woman. I just can't right now. That is a great point. Because there's a... Yeah. Boyfriend. Yeah. Boyfriend, Just you know. Push it off on the boyfriend, yeah. let the boyfriend handle it, you're good. You can't make me go out in the dark. What if I meet <laughs> another guy and run off with him? <laughs> or what if I get attacked? Uh, let's go on to the next question. All right, let's see. This next one comes via Scott Ulmer. How long did it take the, quote, good old boys of sports talk radio to accept you into the business since you've been doing it for about seven years now? When did you start feeling like you belonged? I picked this question today, Dustin, because you are here with me and I'm going to say, and you I'm sure can agree with this. Uh, I never felt uncomfortable with Sirius XM. As a matter of fact, I spent the first two years being so incredibly shocked 
uh, how awesome everyone was from my program director, Matt Deutsch, who is the kindest human in the world, also the greatest boss, uh, so passionate about what he does. Um, Steve Cohen, amazing. Then my first co-host, my number one, Adam Gronis, from everybody through the whole channel at Fantasy Sports Radio who reached out to me and offered me access to their website so I could get more information, so I could learn more, who offered me all of this time to get better and do things. I will say that one of the reasons this stuck so much with me and one of the reasons I'm so in with the family at Sirius and I feel so committed to Fantasy Sports Radio. Also, you know, I've been doing some replacements on Mad Dog Sports Radio for the Morning Men. Evan Cohen and Mike Badcheck, two other guys have just been amazing. There's a lot of girl dads at Sirius XM and they look at me as one of their own, as if they want to look after me, they want to make me better. And I will say that the people that I've worked at, at Sirius XM have built my confidence as a human more than anything I have yet to do in my life. I think it was like the right space for you to move to mm -hmm. because you couldn't have picked a better spot where you walked in the room and everyone knew who you are, but they knew it in like a glowing, loving way mm -hmm. where like they had a probably for you it was probably weird, but for them, a connection to you right. without actually knowing you. Right. So there's automatically like a positive feeling. Oh my God, Lisa Ann's here. I'm a fanboy. Yeah. Whereas if you walked into another walk of life, it probably could have been testy. It could have been. Especially there, like, there, like a, a female driven type thing maybe. Sure, sure. I definitely fit in the boys club really well. And for my fan base, you know, it's really interesting how many guys that I've been, you know, we've been following each other for years on Twitter. How many of them play fantasy and DFS? Like it just synced. Yeah, but you also did the work to make sure no one was ever going to say she's just here because of her old career. Like right. you, I heard you do the work. I heard those early shows. I heard you progress. And I remember listening on the radio of you breaking down a trade you wanted to make with Steve Phillips and he wouldn't pull the trigger on it. I'm like, oh, she actually invests her time to do the research and understands that this is just not something you show up and do because people know you. You actually have to prove every single day that you know what you're talking about. And I've heard you do it time and time again. Thanks, sweet. My best friend said to me when I got this gig, she goes, OK, you have a year contract. She goes, you have a choice. You can be a flash in a pan for a year contract or you could work so hard they cannot fire you. And of course, that was the route that I took. It's a good move. All right, here's the next one. And this might mean a little like dialect. Uh, if you have any <laughs> accents you could do, I feel an accent coming on with this one. I'm not trying to get canceled over here. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see, there's no name on this None. one. I am 30 years old. When I work as a fitness coach, the first question I will ask you is, do you accept marriage to an Egyptian man? And what are your requirements for marriage? So he wants to know, or he's letting you know that he's a fitness coach and wants to know if you would marry an Egyptian man and what does it take to marry you? So we get a lot of marriage questions, sweet, as you can imagine. Uh, I want to know, how do I set the bar so high that people stop asking? So when he says, what are your requirements? I mean, do chicks have requirements? I mean, I'm sure some do, but I think the most important requirement is like mutual attraction, right? One person can't be drooling and sweating profusely over the other, and the other is not attracted. But I feel like if I added in like must have 25 inch long, that could weave, that could really thin it out. I could really thin shit out because guys look down and be like, I don't think I can apply, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what on paper does it take to marry you? Uh, here's the the funny part about propositioning you with marriage is like, don't you think at this point you've had enough propositions and if you wanted to be married, it would have happened by now? Yes. You know, I was married in my 20s. I did try it once. It didn't oh, stick. I read the life. I read the life. <laughs> We're still friends. I'm not opposed, but it's not going to be by email. Just a heads up, everybody. I am not going to get married by email. The next one really, you know, Charles in this next question, I, I giggled. Uh, I had to get a decoder ring out to figure, but I loved his specifics and that's why I included it. Charles writes in, Lisa, you're my ideal one night stand. <laughs> I am a virgin guy who looks Italian and I'm pining to meet you and take you out to Hop's Burger Bar in Greensboro, North Carolina. Nice, got a free plug in there. <laughs> no matter how... Uh, what you are in your, I don't know what that means. No matter how, what you are in your prime, come visit me in my 400,000 house in the morning at 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. I'm single and I want a day with Lisa Ann. Come visit me. I'll pay your airfare to be with tourists like bull is the sign of fertility. There's a lot to unpack here, Swede. But first and foremost, when I said I liked his specifics, I really liked that he knows exactly where he wants to take me. He wants to take me to Hop's Burger Bar in Greensboro. And by the way, lowercase h on the hops, uppercase b on the burger, and lowercase b on the bar. Charles, you should have uh, capitalized the h in hops and the b in bar as well. But also, a virgin wants a one-night stand? Really? Yeah, that, that's that, how you, that won't happen. That, you fall in love. Everyone falls in love their first time. Yeah. And then also, come to my house in the morning between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. I think he lives at home with his parents. Maybe his mom's a teacher and that's when she's gone and it's not really his house. So he flies me there because he's fertile because Taurus like bull, we get to have baby on one night stand after Bob's Burger Bar. By the way, Charles, I'm a vegetarian. I don't really think Bob's Burger Bar is the ideal spot for me, but I did really like all of it. Uh, the airfare, it's okay. I have miles, which I'm not willing to use uh, to take someone's virginity, but I'm just saying, he didn't even offer me money, Dustin. Normally, they at least be like, I give you $10 million yeah. for this. This guy just wants to take me out for a burger and then have me come to his parents' house. The 10 and 3 thing really made me giggle. <laughs> I was like, okay, very specific. <laughs> what if he can't get it up till 2.45? And then what do we do? At 3, the, the alarm goes off and I've got to run out the house and go back to the airport? You're not letting what? me stay overnight? No hotel? I mean, he says he's a virgin, so I imagine he doesn't need 15 minutes. Oh, fun fact. Okay, yeah. But <laughs> could he recover and go again? That's how some young guys are. But then again, we don't know how old he is. But Charles, uh, thank you very much for this very well-detailed uh, situation. And good to know that bull is the sign of fertility because I've managed to not. I'd skated that bullet my whole life, and I'm so glad. Dustin, it was amazing having you. Everyone can follow you at Dustin Sweetelson on Instagram and Twitter. It has been great. I'm sorry that I am East Coast. You are now West Coast and I miss you, but you're loving living out there, right? Oh, it's crazy. It's the best. I mean, sunshine every single day, outside every single day. It's like the one thing keeping me sane during COVID. Yep, good. Well, thanks for joining us right here for the Ask Lisa Ann segment of the Lisa Ann Experience. Thank you to my guest, Sherita DeVille, to Dustin Sweetelson for joining for the Ask Lisa Ann, and to always my amazing producer, Christopher Tyler. 
Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast, rate the podcast, rate a review, do what you gotta do, and feel free to email me at asklisaann at gmail.com. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Lisa Ann Experience.